0: Greetings, this is Bashiri and I'd like to welcome you to the Love, Peace and Confrontation podcast. Of course, I greet you in Love, Peace and Confrontation and would like to welcome you to the 15th episode of the Love, Peace and Confrontation podcast. Black men, I love you. Black women, I love you. Black babies, I love you. What will we tell our sons? Let's get out here and be the light. Let's understand that we have the capacity Uh, that we have the ability uh, and the responsibility to resolve many of the issues uh, that permeate our society and our community and that it is on us. The burden and the onus and the challenge and the mission is on us to instigate our own uh, revolution. Let's understand that Uh, We are the answers to the prayers that we are praying. Ultimately, we are the gods that we seek. All religions be damned if it doesn't serve you. You should not serve it. Black men, what up? Black women, what up? Black babies, what's good? And so, uh, been having a lot of conversations this week. A lot of important conversations and very enlightening dialogues. And I'm really appreciative of the community uh, that I have the uh, privilege to be a part of. And, and I have the latitude to bounce ideas. And there is an extension of grace, of course, to grow and to evolve. And to come to um, various iterations of pivotal Um, understanding and new revelations on a pretty consistent basis and for that I am grateful. I I am really a huge proponent of um, engaging in uh, conflictual dialogue. I believe in the Uh, enterprise of creative conflict. I know that's how we grow. I understand that's how we evolve. Uh, That's how we become refined. And it's not so much in this space where you will uh, be um, engaged in monotonal agreement. But it's when we immerse ourselves and we challenge ourselves to hear the perspective of the other uh, that we begin to develop a a more robust and a more uh, mature understanding of what it is uh, as it pertains to our role and how we can uniquely contribute to the Herculean undertaking of liberation and evolution of self and contributing to um, the ongoing uh, growth of the collective at large. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's an awesome scenario. Uh, one of the, the themes uh, amid many of the conversations that I've been able to, uh, that I've been privileged to engage and to participate in uh, partake in has had to do with, has had to do with self-perception, has had to do with the engineering of how we come to understand ourselves, how, how we, um, how we relate How we perceive, how we conceive, how we become familiarized with what uh, is socially understood as the self and understanding that the self, of course, and the individual uh, likewise are Uh, social byproducts. And there is no uh, disconnection from the entity called the self from the confluence of um, historical circumstances and social scenarios uh, that serve as the seedbed out of which the manifestation of the self grows and is incubated therein and it's very interesting uh, I've often said on many podcasts and in numerous conversations uh, that we're dealing in a situation, in a context in a scenario, of course of white oppression, domination hegemony uh, systemic inequity uh oligarchies and systems that have put or have been put in place, um, racism, and we've often tried to denude it of its emotional uh, preoccupations and and just to really look at it and to dissect it and to break it down to its most uh, basic uh, motivations. And understanding that it is basically motivated by uh, the acquisition of power at all costs, right? And so it's, I've often said it's the procurement of vital life resources over and against uh, the uh, development or the capacity or the ability of the targeted population to do likewise, right? Under the auspices of what competition, informed by a, a paradigm of scarcity, and so when we understand that, um, on the basis of that analysis, that we find ourselves in a competitive situation that requires us to logically outmaneuver those persons that we are in fierce competition with and uh, when I'm speaking uh, on one of these panels I was on this week I believe I was with my brothers yeah we were on a panel and we were dealing with a series of ideas that are particular to um, our community with respect to uh, what does manhood look like and where can we cultivate safe spaces? And something stood out to me that was significant. One of the brothers, he um, he shared and he disclosed uh, that oftentimes we forget that we thrive, or we have been able to thrive under the most intense and vehement opposition, and that's where we were forced to tap into that ingenuity, right? We were forced to tap into uh, that creative genius. Uh, We were forced, by means of the opposition, to survive. Um, The old adage is that necessity is the mother of invention. And so because we were robbed... And because we were uh, made bereft of many of the skills and habits of survival that were passed down and mediated to us through our culture, our folkways, our mores, our traditions, you know, stripped of that history and that learning, uh, we had to, again, reinvent ways uh, to survive and we were very proficient in our endeavors to do such. And Why is that? Well, it's because uh, we were able to tap into what I often suggest is uh, that inexhaustible energetic ingenuity that's part and parcel to the melaninated mind and overall black experience and how I'm always I'm always encouraging us to embody and to incarnate those kinds of characteristics that can never be completely decimated and or destroyed. All of that to say, with respect to what my brother shared while we were on that panel discussing manhood and themes that appertain to Safety, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. We're really going to unpack that, hopefully, in the limited space that we have allotted to us on this here uh, podcast episode. Um, Is that complacency and comfort is often the enemy of progress. And development, so there has to be a healthy uh, tension, so to speak between between peace and discomfort, because if we become too relaxed then many of the intangible uh, facilities that we uh, have potentialities that could develop and come to full maturation so that we are operating um, at the highest iteration of ourselves will begin to atrophy And will begin to become dormant. Now, in the context of domination, those persons who now become the hands that feed us (laughs) and the hands that allegedly freed us. Um, become the, the same hands that orchestrate and shape and fashion the internal realities, potentialities, and real estate of what I often refer to as the psyche, the suke, the soul. And they do it in such a way because of the power differentials uh, that allow them to have within the purview of their concerns, prerogatives, and interests to maintain their advantages and to conserve the inequities to their own benefit. necessitates that we are inundated with kinds of information, misinformation, disinformation uh, that will tend uh, towards the mal-adjustment right? to the circumstances that we find ourselves in such that we would be maintained in our denigrated positions on the basis of what rewards, punishment, accolades, and the air quotes values that are accordant with this construct that we find ourselves prisoners of. So it's very difficult uh, to speak in terms of right and wrong and all of the other adjectives that, uh, imp- that are employed to depict uh, and to denote the moral, conversation of what is appropriate and what is expected. Hmm. Because what often happens is our group being that we are the targeted population, we become ensnared by the very values and the morals and the The decency (laughs) that's tied inextricably so uh, to a system that has been founded upon, that has been nourished by indecency, (laughs) immorality, um, impropriety, and injurious um entreating of targeted peoples chaos calamity deception have been the prominent features of the american enterprise okay How does that inform this conversation now? Well, it informs it to the degree uh, that we allow ourselves to be aware and awake to the important ways that these philosophical phenomena Continue to inform and to conform and to inhere and manifest in our current goings on as we are trying to develop best practices to navigate the meaning-denying territories and spaces that we now find ourselves in as a collective. And I'm really taking my time with these ideas because it's very important that we have An accurate analysis that appropriately describes the ways in which we have been induced purposely now. We have been induced to become both warden and prisoner um, of our own denigration, destitution, and maladjustment. I've often said that um, the prerogative of power is to streamline its energetic investment in maintaining and Um, seeing that power um, without interruption is sustained and secured. And the only way to do that when statistically speaking in global terms, you're dealing with a majority and a giant that You have to get them to digest the delusion and the illusion and the deception that they are not Leviathan. (laughs) Um, They have to buy into what it is that you're selling. They have to now internalize An insidious projection of themselves that ultimately serves your transcendent goals as conqueror, as ruler, as dominator of their lives. In, in, <laughs> in perpetuity. <laughs> um, it gets deep. It gets deep. And I'm really taking my time with these concepts because I, because I really want us to have a clear understanding of the beast that we are dealing with. Um... Of course, I'm hearing the, the echoes of the words of the late, great Dr. Amos Wilson, um, heavy conversation with him, still in conversation with him through his writings, his lectures, etc. cetera. And uh, I think I recall him saying the white man, our enemy that we have to outwit and overcome. He's crazy. But he is by no means. Stupid. And I think it's very um, appropriate for us to understand that distinction. We're not dealing with an imbecile in our enemy. Okay? We're dealing with very intentional, calculated, patient people um, who can project in terms of centuries at a time, as to what it will undertake by way of their own evolution of the franchising, as I often say, of oppression and what needs to happen uh, through the annals of history so that its visage, appears one way, but its policies and its behavior continue to um, tend towards the execution of its ill, or the maintenance of its ill-gotten advantages. And that's what we're up against. And that's why there has to be a revolution of sorts in terms of our values as a group. And again, the intangible, internal real estate, right, that informs. Our outlook, our worldview, and our engagement, of course, with ourselves, intra-group, and then with others, intergroup, group And what that means for us as a collective moving forward as we endeavor to establish Self-autonomy, determination, and uh, independence. Okay, I hope you follow me. I don't. I don't kind of dealing with uh, these high philosophical themes, and I'm really, I'm really hoping that I am uh, distilling the information as clearly and succinctly uh, as possible. If, if that's not the case, I'll, I beg your pardon in advance. And so we're dealing with these themes of security, of knowing the enemy, of knowing yourself and becoming very familiar with the ways in which uh, we have been induced uh, to maladjustment on the basis of The moral paradigm, okay, that is a function of immoral goals, right, to maintain ill-gotten leverage under the auspices of brutal violence. And so let's deal with the relationship between... Chaos, uh, violence, right, and the creation uh, the crisis creation <laughs> of a ruled people. real simply, I think I think this could carry us on for. Uh, the duration of the time that we have remaining uh, uh, as it pertains to this podcast episode, episode 15. And so, <clears throat> through brutal violence and confusion, okay, what happens is you create such discomfort for the targeted population, such agitation right that once that discomfort and that agitation and that brutality uh, has been undeniably imbibed by the targeted population then you offer sinister solutions to those people to get them to come on board right um, in collusion with your dastardly aims to rule them so that they become self oppressed. Dr. Amos Wilson again. So, in other words, you create such confusion, such alienation, such disorientation, such pain. that your original intent to rule that if presented without the chaos and the brutal violence, right, and the disorganization, alienation, disorientation, would have been outright rejected. But when a group has been destabilized, <laughs> and they they become desperate for a remedy, even chains would would do at that at that point. If you're telling me, if I contain myself. If I, with you, in collusion with you, in collaboration with you, uh, commit myself to becoming a comfortable prisoner, and that gives me avenue to some kind of reprieve (laughs) from the vehement brutality that I've more recently endured, many people, many of our people, have signed the dotted line of that Faustian sort of a bargain, that deal with the devil, so to speak. Because what they're offering is now a more polite iteration of control. A control that deceptively suggests that you will be able to practice your own volitional capacity so long as you see it our way <laughs> you adopt our game you 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 allow us to put our tongues not just in your mouth and i want you i want you to feel the the rape undertones here. Okay. That's suggestive of the language that I'm articulating now. I want you to feel the violence that the very sacrilege of it all as the sanctity of your mind is being molested and marauded. Because you think, according to the language of your conquerors, your native tongue stripped, a foreign tongue inserted. uh in another way to phrase it the the sodomy of your soul you understand it's very interesting I, I was i was uh, lamenting to my wife you know what I, I was really thinking about uh just the gravity of what has occurred to our people uh and I was explaining to her my angst, that even my thoughts and (laughs) to a certain degree are or have been tarnished um, so profoundly that uh, those thoughts our thought in the language of conquerors, and it's that heavy, and it's that deep, because once they take that from you, your capacity to define yourself and the world that you engage by your own lexicon, and according to your own terms. To a certain extent, they have succeeded in being able to rule you from the inside out (laughs) because uh, you have been possessed of a foreign agency that now has colonized your mind. And so you begin to think the thoughts of your conqueror with respect to yourself. And that is the tragedy of being erased is <laughs> deep, man. It's deep, and I'm talking about an erasure again of anything that would have allowed you to distinguish yourself from the designation of devils. I'm not speaking spookism here. I'm I'm talking about real demonic possession. When people intend to maintain you in dominance, under their foot, and then get you to agree (laughs) to that decimated position because it'll be comfortable for you if you go that way. I can't think of anything more demonic than that. Joe Biden and Trump. <laughs> Hard turn, right? And I'm only dealing with them, uh, their personalities again. Uh, to kind of tease out what I'm suggesting in general about the whole to-do of how we have been relating to this particular group who who has designated itself in a political sense as white. I bring them to the fore at this point in the conversation when we're talking about what my brother suggested how we were able to thrive in the face of outright opposition because it forced us to deal with the fact that we're not in a comfortable place and that if we're going to create spaces where we could have safety amid the onslaught and... Unrelenting siege of our peace, we do that from the recognition that we are in fact not safe. It's an interesting paradox that it's from that vantage point that we decide to wage war. to revolt and to resist from a place of peace because we've been resolutely rooted in the absurdity of an oppressive reality. That's why comfort in this context is the enemy of liberation your comfort becomes the handcuff. Your comfort becomes the cell. Your comfort becomes the catalyst that will cause uh, your revolutionary facility to atrophy because you say there is no reason to develop to that end. There is no reason. Um, to stay fit in that regard, <laughs> because we're in a we're in a space where we can study war no more, <laughs> and that's why you know that series I did a while back on why the civil rights movement has been a failure. Uh, it was necessary because it's 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 my attempt to provoke us and to wake us up to the reality that it's the comfort that's keeping us um, confined. You feel me? It's the comfort that keeps us incarcerated. It's the nice liberal. Speech. Joe Biden. Black people, you have my back. And I want to have yours. Comfort. The false promises that relieve us of the responsibility of our own lives and our own progress. And it's like, hey, we don't want to have to think for ourselves. Uh, it's, it's comfortable to have another think for us. And to denote for us what's good for us, right? It's comfortable. You heard me talk about the, uh, the paternalization of the targeted population and how we have uh, been infantilized. And a lot of us are still stuck in that infantilized state as children, not wanting to grow up, Peter Pan syndrome, you know, Toys of Us, I don't want to grow up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, it's deep. It's, it's like that. And, and this conversation that I'm having is the first in a series of important and courageous conversations that have to be had in our communities because we have to deal with the world as it is. We have to deal with our circumstances as they are. There's no way around it, folks. We cannot rest on our laurels of what the people that we are in competition with call our progress. You cannot allow your enemy to determine your progress. Right? I mean that like my grandfather would say that's bad grammar. You know what I'm saying? You can't <laughs> like that doesn't make sense, folks. I want us to develop Right sensibility and righteous rectitude with respect to the context that we find ourselves having been born in. And then that's another feature of oppression because when you're born into it, it's normal now. Right? You don't even know that you're born into a situation where you're negated at birth, and you're relegated to a certain designation that will keep you from fully developing and evolving all of your, all of your potentialities and capacities. Yeah, it, to a certain extent you're born dead. You're still born. Despite the fact that you survived your birth. Because your birth with a predilection of mediocrity. I I've done a lot of reading about, you know, the uh what they call um, uh, kind of the environment that the mom finds herself in. She's with child, and she's going through the whole gestational period. Um, And how that environment, of course serves the ways in which that growing fetus is chemically informed. The stresses of that environment, you understand what I mean? Uh, In those formative spaces in the pockets of that young life that has yet to be born is informed chemically by mom. The shaping of the central nervous system, that brain, that spinal cord, and, um, and how certain dispositions become cemented biologically on the basis of social, economic, and political circumstances that mother and that father find themselves in. You know what I mean? You're talking about epigenetics, you know, and it's it's just, it's deep um, because to a certain extent, uh, that child bears the sins of the society. In that, its very biological formation is informed by the pressures of the society. You know, and, and you could get into all of the hormonal or stress hormones that mom may feel from, again, her status in society of being part and parcel of an oppressed group and how that shapes the development of that child. Before it even gets here, these political, economic, and social inequities are molesting that unborn child. That child is born into the community and then many of the experiences bring right online the destructive potentialities that have been foisted upon that unborn baby as a result of the demonic circumstances that we were all born into. It gets super deep. That's why it is incumbent upon us, and it is a matter of a moral responsibility in that sense that we not allow ourselves to be seduced or lulled to sleep by cosmetic. Progress and tokenism, right? Because it's that level of insidious deception that continues to deform our future progeny as we uh, propel ourselves biologically forward in time. It's deep. It's th- these things are not uh, irrelevant. <laughs> these are what I'm talking about. Are very relevant themes, man. And I am just really today um, running the calculus of how all these important themes coalesce to maintain the power structure as it is to this very moment. The intentional shaping of the people you want to dominate by only allowing them to be exposed to certain kinds of information, by pedestalizing pathology Right, and then rewarding that pathology materially and setting that as a prestigious and transcendent goal for the young of the pathologized group to aspire to, so that you can maintain the ongoing co opting of the volition of that group to choose wrongly to choose ear quotes death I mean choose ear quotes literally death because it serves two functions it allows for you to have plausible deniability and then you can assume if you're in the power position, an accusatory posturing towards the pathologized group and say, see, look, they are inherently pathological. See? That's why they have to be ruled. That's why they have to be controlled the whole time. The, uh, Power differentials allow for you to shape the circumstances and the conditions of the targeted population such that it feeds and coheres with your power concerns. It becomes complementary. They become collaborative in your efforts to dominate and decimate. So there's that feature there. You know, and then the other side of it is not only does it position you in your power position to become accusatory, but then it does something for your own collective psyche and conscious, because now you become, you become paragon of morality. See, I'm the hero (laughs) and I am the embodiment of what's good and what's pristine and what's pure. And so it works out for you now, for your own moral sensibility, that you don't have to deal with the burden of your own misdeeds when you get to blame And you create circumstances for blame to occur in the people that you so benevolently dominate. Why did I bring up Joe Biden to bring it back and, and Trump coming in for a close? Why did I bring them up? Because it's the same they're the same person they're just different aspects of the same program let's talk to a friend of mine and i'll say this and have to wrap this thing up don't want to go over the time talking to a friend of mine and uh was using the metaphor of the matrix and i was like you remember that time where neo gets to the architect and you remember how how pristine and sleek the architect looked and he was very debonair and demure you know what i mean and he he was super articulate and proficient you know and but at the same time he was He was callous and cold and calculated and a program, right, Um, that was malicious, that was avarice, that was um, uh, sociopathic. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But it was a sophisticated sociopath. And that's what power that wants to dominate ultimately wants to become it wants to become the streamlined sophistication of of psychopathy you know what I mean and it's that's what we're dealing with with the American enterprise a sophistication of psychopathy that's what Joe Biden and his ilk kind of represent Hey, let's streamline the domination and the barbarity let's become uh, erudite and, and proficient and articulate and polished in our cruelty. Let's be articulated, a sophistication. Whereas the ilk and the stripe of say a Trump wants to be brute, wants to be outright arrogant, wants to be unsophisticated and um, in your face, right? As it pertains to the dominant population The latter, the brute, arrogant, braggadocious tyrant is the one that's more beneficial for the target population because then they don't have any illusions of comfort. And then they can wage war with a footing firmly rooted in reality as it is. They have peace in themselves to develop their facility to create real comfort through overcoming domination rather than being lulled to sleep by the sophistication of an articulate and endearing psychopath. It's not just about parsing out the problem. It's always about Shining a light on those persons in your community who are doing an incredible work here locally in Hampton Roads. Hampton Roads is regional black chamber of commerce, black brand, Blackbrand.biz, If you're industrious, endeavor to be industrious, entrepreneurial, endeavor to be entrepreneurial, you need to link yourself with a network and a nexus of powerful, like minded individuals who have your overall economic well-being in both head and heart. Black brand. Blackbrand.biz, a hundred and fifty-year economic plan, exclusively in the making for black people. I come to you, in love, peace, and confrontation. I sign off in love, peace, and confrontation. This concludes um, episode fifteen of the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. Black man, I love you. Black woman, I love you. Black babies, I love you. What will we tell our sons? Let's get out here and be the light. Understanding that we are the answers to the prayers, that we have been praying ultimately, that we are the gods, that we seek Or religions be damned. If it doesn't serve you, you shouldn't serve it. I invite you to fully capitalize and incarnate upon the energetic ingenuity that is uh, part and parcel to the melaninated mind and overall black experience. I sign off. And love, peace, and confrontation. Until next time, my people, please be safe.